Hi, it's me again. I'm here to talk about the Attack of the Clones novel. Um, I'm just taking longer and longer series of notes. Um, I also didn't read through them again, and so this will be very disjointed, and hopefully this one will not also die and make me restart it, so it will stay disjointed. Um, so... I I have to start by saying that I I am slowly crafting this this thesis about um my thoughts on on, on the Jedi Council reattachment and how uh first all first of all I firmly believe that like one of the the most like galaxy changing things that could be done in this uh series is by giving Anakin a better support system when he was younger um by letting Obi-Wan be less of a sort of uh responsible figure for him by giving him access to his mother by not treating him like a ticking time bomb and by encouraging him to to form bonds with other people um and i think my my the core of my thesis is this idea that um the opposite of or uh, the the opposite of obsession is not a lack of attachment it is attachment to uh, so many other things and people and places that uh, when one thing goes wrong, you're not broken. Uh, you still have this tangled web of other things that can hold you down and uh, that like so that your love can can flow outward through these roots that you have have made. Um, and so this is this is my thesis on attachment. Um, I think about it a lot because this is sort of what this movie, this book is about. Um, Anakin says it at one point that the Jedi don't discourage compassion. They encourage compassion, in fact, and they encourage love. Um, it's just the like obsession and possession that they discourage. And I think that that is... Um, you know, in, in my, my interpretation of the Jedi rules or my interpretation of what the Jedi rules should be, uh, is to encourage these sort of, of bonds and connections between people because like a proper bond between people is not a possession. Uh, it is a relationship and an equal give and take and something that you do by reaching out and holding someone um, just as they're holding you and not by grabbing them and suffocating them and claiming them as yours. Um, uh, so, so yes, this is, this is my thesis. Um, the, the way that to not be obsessed is to have a good support system and have multiple people you can talk to and have, at least zero of them be an evil old creepy man. Um, uh, yes, okay. Anyway, 
the the reason that I started this by by going through my my big philosophy revelation revelation of like twelve hours ago or whenever the fuck I had that 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 good thought um, is because this book starts with a really big gut punch like specifically re those thoughts. Um, it's like Anakin, the, the prologue is Anakin having this dream of all of his friends and family all in one space and they're all laughing and talking with each other and, you know, he doesn't recognize all of the people in, in, the, in the room but except for his mother, um, but he knows that it's his friends and family and they're all there and he says, uh, it was the life he had always wanted, a gathering of family and friends and you're like, like see that that is the thing is like he could have that and if he could and if like he had been allowed to have that he would have had this support system and wouldn't feel so fucking nuts all the time um so so bottled up and and angry and out of control um and that's like that's where that's where some of this tragedy really comes in because he he did get get done dirty by the people that he trusted to to take care of him um and i get it that everyone's trying to to make this informed decision about this kid who could literally bring about the 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 most positive change or the most negative change ever but still but still um we've we also really quickly after this have him wondering if he should tell Obi-Wan about his dreams. Uh, but he says that his master would not be able to help, so he decides not to tell him. We gotta let this boy know that it's okay to just, like, share things with with people. Um, even if, if they if they can't help you, like, sometimes people want to know that. And I feel, I feel like a big hypocrite saying that, but I can say that about a fictional character because I can see this from the outside. Um... And like I think that this is this is sort of the running theme of of this movie, and I talked about this when I was talking about the movie, is that he has this this later thing where he's like, Jedi don't have nightmares, and like you know a Jedi controls his anger, and we just we, um, oh, and he has he says this 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 one thing where like Padme is like you're only human, and he's like no I'm a Jedi, like blah blah blah, and he clearly has this like super elevated uh ideals of what a jedi should be is this perfect thing and he doesn't realize that the people around him are not perfect and he needs to realize that that's another thing about this um yes uh the other thing that this book does is so the the main like extra scenes are around shmi and owen lars which is kind of fun because we get to see that like um, or Owen and, uh, what the fuck is his name? Kleeg? Kleeg. Um, which is kind of fun because we get to, to see, uh, Anakin's mom for more than just the, like, two seconds she's in it to die and make him feel bad. Um, I have mixed emotions about this because it is very, like, guy comes in and literally buys this woman and sets her free and then she marries him and it it is very clear that like it's only after she is free that he marries her but it's still like I feel like that's a little bit like like a little bit iffy and then you add to that the point like you know she does say multiple times that she loves this man so much but like 
you also add in the fact that Klieg is very, very bigoted against the the Tuscans and the Jaw and even the Jawas. Um, it's like like vitriol um, that he that he spits. It's like like the scene. So they they show the scene in which he and a bunch of the other moisture farmers um, chase down a bunch of Tuscan raiders who have have kidnapped his wife, and he like. He gets his leg chopped off, and then he strangles a Tuscan raider to death and smashes his head on the ground over and over again, way past when this guy is dead, and starts, like, keeps mutilating his body. And it's, like, fucked up. Um, and I get it, like, your wife just got kidnapped, but it's fucked up. Um, and I'm like, I, I can see where Anakin gets it, except for he's not his dad, so, uh, you know, spiritually he gets it. Um... Anyway, so, like, at the same time, I'm like, Owen's fun. Um, Owen's really nice, actually. He's he's really nice to his stepmom. He, like, gives her a shoulder to lean on or whatever, even though he knows he's not going to fill the hole in her heart that, like, was made by Anakin. Um, but, I know, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's kind of, it's funky, funky, funky situation. Um... It's also around this point that I noted down that this book is not written in a style that I enjoy as much. It is a different author than the first novelization. Um, I think that just the sort of like language that it uses is very much, it's, it's more dramatic. It's more like, oh, I, I wish I could, uh, I wish I like wrote down any um, examples of this, but it's just kind of like, so dramatic it's silly at times um especially with like people's inner monologues and stuff like that there are bits of it that are very good but like it just doesn't it's it doesn't feel as like genuine um to be fair this is the 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 movie where anakin is super emo boy so it's kind of hard to make any of that feel genuine (laughs) but uh you know um it's it's particularly not done well. I I think I meant I wrote this down later, but it's particularly not kind to like the female characters. It's like weirdly like we like I get it too. This is like where Anakin and Padme start falling in love. So like you sort of have to see them as um vaguely like sexual beings. But also it like weirdly sexualizes Padme a lot. Like it talks a lot about like how much skin she's showing and how revealing her night dresses are and like how her um like veil like barely conceals her cleavage and things I'm like I don't want to listen I don't know um and they do the same thing to the like the very brief female ba- bounty hunter um that shows up to I'm just I'm just kind of like and this book was written by a man wasn't it uh yeah um, what else do we have? These are just a lot of like random world building notes that I wrote down that I wanted to hold on to. Um, okay, the, the one thing that I do really like about this book is that we get to see a little bit more of of Padme's like thoughts. And so she's kind of being pushed by her family members and a lot of like other people around her to take some time off and to relax and to chill the fuck out for a bit. Um 
they're all convinced that Padme pours too much of herself into her politics and doesn't take any time for herself and she should get a boyfriend. And while I object to that last bit tacked on and how forceful they are about like, you should settle down and start a family and be a wife and blah, 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 which is just exhausting. Um, I do really appreciate everyone being like, hey, Padme, you've been doing politics since you were eight. Um, It is now a solid like almost two decades after that. Maybe you should take a vacation and chill for a second um and honestly like you know as a kid i didn't really pay attention much to the politics of this these movies um because it was not interesting but i just like now that i like well am thinking about that kind of stuff hot damn is is padme like super super like driven she's not only like a a badass when it comes to um shooting things and whatnot and 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 a good strategist and stuff like that but she like pours her soul into these into this politics and making sure that she's doing right by her people and right by her ideals and morals and stuff like that and it just it makes me i'm like man i wish she could have met leia like I don't remember exactly how much Padme gets mentioned in the uh, original trilogy, but I have a feeling that it's very much not a lot. Um, The whole uh, focus on Luke and Vader is, you know, very, very valid because, like, Luke is growing up with his father's family and stuff like that, but also it, like... I don't know, I feel like it diminishes Padme a lot. Um, again, I'll have to, like, rewatch. When I rewatch these, I'll, like, pay it, pay more attention. But I just feel like, I don't know, it's very much like the sort of, like, fridging type thing where, like, the mother died and so we don't really care much about her as a character and how she relates to her kids and how her kids relate to her and whether or not they'd be proud of, she'd be proud of them and stuff like that. Um, and I care a lot about that because Padme is a very cool character and I don't think I appreciated her as much as a kid, um, as I do now. Um, anyway, she's cool. Uh, I'm also, I'm not going to do these in, in a, I'm not, I'm talking through these things like chronologically, so I'll probably like jump back and forth between different themes but one of the the themes in this movie also is uh confusion a um and b uh dooku's whole thing his whole thing about like why he walked away from the jedi order why he walked away from the republic and his sort of like his his thesis statement is these politics are corrupt i don't think the jedi should be supporting the senate there's nothing i can do from inside the house let me step out of this order and try to fix it from the outside and that's kind of where the separatists come in and throughout the the book throughout the movie throughout the book we see different characters kind of like saying oh damn like some of what dooku is saying makes sense like oh you know he's kind of right when he says like all of these politicians are corrupt. Like one of the first things that we hear Obi-Wan saying um, when Anakin is is trying to get flirty with Padme is that um, like, you know, you can't trust politicians. They're all corrupt. 
Um, and then we hear it again when we get an explanation for Dooku's whole deal. And, you know, we realize, like, yeah, even before this was brought up, like, these characters often share the same sort of opinions. And so we we see that, like, Dooku's whole argument is sympathetic. Um, I will t- I'll talk more about that later, but, like, that's why I, th- I, th- I like him as a villain in this, uh, in this story, just because he, I don't know, he, re- he reminds me a lot of, like, all of the villains for The Legend of Korra, who all have ideals that are kind of taken just a little bit too far, and so, like, you, you have some sort of sympathy for all of these villains who, like, have such valid points and it really makes you like think and consider and and it it hurts your brain a little bit to be like well this makes total sense and like I can see why you are mad that the senate is is so corrupt and is doing wrong by its people and specifically something about um the republic is unresponsive to the needs of the individuals that it that it is supposed to care for like damn that's true and that's a problem um, not sure if the problem is to conspire with the Sith and try to start a full-blown war and, um, make a dictatorship, but I understand your, your point, sir. Um, yeah, and so, like, right around this time, Mace also says, some of the arguments against the Republic were not without merit. Um, and so we see this sort of, like, inner conflict in the, within the Jedi like, individually and within the council and stuff like that, and I like that. Um, okay, here's, to add on to my Why Do Men Write books, the one thing that I could not stand in this was, um, Padme has this, this little, like, thing right after Anakin first talks to her, and he's, like, grown more beautiful, that is, and blah, 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 and he's trying to be smooth, and he's dumb, um, and she, like, sits there and thinks to herself, and she's, like, Grown more beautiful. Those are not words she was used to hearing. Um, most of the men, uh, she, like she interacted with, were were more concerned with what she could bring to them in practical terms and with her beauty. Um, like she's talking about like her life in politics and the men that she interacts with on a daily basis, seeing her for her mind and not for her beauty. I'm like, babe, how did you cure space sexism? Like, are you are you kidding me? Like, there's. This this society is so... Okay, this society is so sexist because the creators and the, the time period in which all of this uh, these movies were being created were sexist. Um, and the culture that tr- created these movies was sexist. And so that's why you see um, all of the, like, squadron leaders in uh, the, the fourth movie are all like men and like practically all of the fighter pilots are men as well because you know it was it was just assumed of course they'd be men because women wouldn't be in the the fighter pilots and shooting down tie fighters like of course not and so it's so funny to me that they try to like pull this move here because like come the fuck on this this girl was a in the public eye from the age of 14 until like her current age of 24 um doing politics like there is no fucking way that men were or like weren't being creepy towards her like even at age 14 
like you you cannot tell me like that there were not creepy men interacting with Padme like so I feel like this 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 sort of reaction that she has of like oh my gosh he told me I'm beautiful nobody's ever told me I'm beautiful before I'm like come on girl you're you are absolutely stunning you're you've been told that too many times by too many people and you can't convince me that space sexism has been cured um anyway uh there's there's this really brief aside about how art was as much a part of what it was to be a Jedi Knight as was warrior training that I like they get that that mention that it just gets mentioned very briefly once um and I want to like think about that and dissect that at some point and I don't have very many many thoughts right now except for the fact that I love that I love that they they recognize that there's like art places for art and diplomacy and fucking laser sword fighting like <laughs> hot damn I just every every time I read a book or watch a movie I'm just like it would be so fun to like dip into this this world for just a little bit so I could be um carving busts of my of myself and then stabbing people with a glowy sword wouldn't that be (laughs) wouldn't that be fun um uh, Anakin has this really good description of Obi-Wan where he says uh, Master Kenobi is bound by the letter of the orders he won't take a chance on doing anything that isn't explicitly asked of him by the Jedi Council um uh it's you know we see a lot of like Obi-Wan being very anti-attachment here very much like Anakin only follow the orders that the the Jedi Council are giving you but the other thing that this book does really well is it points out how much of a hypocrite Obi-Wan is. He is um, very much uh, a sort of like react, act first, think later man until he's not. Um, and I can like, I so vibe with this because I was, I'm a person who thought, who grew up thinking that I was so rational and I was such a person who like would 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 think things through before I made decisions and then just like will fucking out of nowhere make the the most impulsive decisions ever um so like I I I understand like I understand this like in my heart I understand this contradiction in a person so it's not something that I think is like bad characterization or anything like that like no it's it, 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 exactly the opposite is this is so this is so on point um is Obi-Wan's lack of self-awareness about this but like yeah he like jumps out a fucking window and he like reflexively and hardly considering all the implications uh fumbles with like power wires and like to 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 fix the droid or whatever and then plummets to his death almost with that he does all of this stuff he like tells Anakin like I hate when you do this I hate when you do that and yet he does um does the same thing um I was gonna say I feel like they they point this out and I wrote this down somewhere um oh yeah again uh again he seemed hardly convincing as if he was saying just what he had said to keep oh, oh no sorry that was something else um I don't know. I definitely wrote like Obi Wan is a. Uh, 
Oh, Obi-Wan really is a do as I say, not as I do man. He's so used to parroting the council dogma. And so I think that there's there's two things at work here. There's one, there's Obi-Wan seeing himself as a very rational person and, you know, often being that very rational person, but also having the same sort of like impulsivity that uh, that Anakin has. And part of it is, you know, you need to be at least a little bit impulsive and reactive in order to survive as a Jedi in this world and in order to do right by being a Jedi. You have to like listen to your gut instincts. That's like what the whole thing about the Force is. Um, and, you know, the more in tune you are with the Force, the more you can trust those gut instincts and stuff like that. And they kind of build up this whole, like, logic around that. So, you know, there's maybe some sort of vague in-world excuse. But, like, regardless of that, it's also just, like, a character trait of his. And um, it's fun to see play out. I also think that there's, like, another layer of uh, this sort of counsel that... Obi-Wan follows um and you know when Anakin has this says this whole thing about like he'll he'll he's bound by the letter of the orders um you know Obi-Wan grew up with Qui-Gon who is like very much uh sort of outside of uh, the the like who would always act outside of the the interests of the council when he thought it was important to do so um and so he like as a reactionary is like going back against that and saying like okay I've got to like completely follow the the council uh to the to a t and he just kind of like parrots back things and so I think some of it is like him just like following the council because he thinks that that's the right thing to do because he didn't like that his master didn't I think some of it is literally just him like repeating the words of the council because that's what he's supposed to do even if he doesn't actively believe it and not thinking further than that that surface level uh because he's kind of been taught not to um and i think that that is one of the things that we start to see him grow out of in this uh towards the end of this movie and i think the like i i don't know much like i, I know bits and pieces of what happens in the show the the clone wars um and I think that the same sort of thing starts to happen where he like slowly grows and realizes that uh, you kind of have to stop listening to the council once you like face the reality of this war that's going on. Um, but I haven't watched it, so I'll report back in on that. Uh, but in any in any case, I feel like the sort of growth from parroting. Uh, what you've been told your entire life uh, growing up and stuff like that to thinking a little bit more for yourself is sort of the arc that that he starts to take. Um, I wrote down this five words elevator scene is peak Anakin. There's this scene in which he I I can't remember if this is in the movie or not or if this was like a, a cut scene or what the deal was but there's this scene in which he busts into an elevator with like he's trying to like chase Obi-Wan who is chasing down this droid that was sent by the the assassin and um he like busts into this elevator and there's two other like there's two senators in the elevator and they're like oh my gosh etiquette like what the hell is going on here um and he's like ah oh, sorry and he like like tries to to get out the door and he, the door is like not opening he's like ah and the the senator's like um let me just 
hold up a second and then presses the like the elevator button and the the elevator doors like slowly go open and and Anakin like turns back with a sheepish grin and then like bolts it's it's just so peak him like shouting at a door like begging it to open and then like somebody's like you just gotta push the open elevator door button guy come on it's it's just so good um what else Oh, this is, this also, like, I mean, I've already talked about this in the movie, but just, I love the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, I kind of wish we got to see them at a little bit younger before Anakin started to get, like, really fed up with this, um, like he is in this, at the, towards the end of this movie, but the sort of, uh, Anakin says sorry, and he's, uh, it says, again, he seemed hardly convincing, as if he was saying just what he had to say to keep Obi-Wan from scolding him further, and then, uh, about Obi-Wan after this whole thing, he hid his smile only because it would not do for Anakin to understand himself forgiven so easily, and it's just, like, you know, they're, like, two, two family members kind of needling at each other, um, and, like, like, the bickering back and forth with not a whole lot of like merit behind it at this point which is which is a fun vibe um this is also see this is the movie that i start to question like this is this is where i still need to like understand obi-wan's empathy and his his um desire to do right by other people because he chops off the hand off of this this random female bounty hunter that's come after him and he immediately is like oh we have to go get you to a doctor because i can't like treat your wound that right here um which is like super sweet of him he like i'll I'll talk about this later but he just like he doesn't kill jango fett he is like trying to bring him in on unharmed um he you know has this whole thing about the clones but then he also is just like you know, like, Padme just fell out of a fucking airplane, okay, you know, chill the fuck out, Anakin, we've gotta go kill this other man, or else we're not gonna do anything, um, and then this is also coming from the same man who was like, ugh, Jar Jar Binks is so fucking annoying, he, he doesn't deserve, (laughs) he doesn't deserve the rescue that we're giving him of, like, saving him from dying, um, so I feel like I've still got some, some brain thinking to do to try to rectify, rectify, is that a word? I don't know, this, this man, um, damn, I've been talking for 30 minutes, and I'm, like, literally at, like, what, the first 10, 20 minutes of this movie, Jesus, um, what else, what else, uh, okay, um, okay, here's the thing, I knew people, like, really loved Django Fett for some reason and I'm like I never saw it I never saw it uh even in the movie I was kind of like yeah like he's I guess he's 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 like got the cool bounty hunter mystique or whatever um but this book makes me uh oh my god he he teaches Boba how to fish there is a scene in which this man takes his 10 year old kid fishing on this on this planet that they're on and it is fucking amazing like okay Django Fett is a complicated character he is a bounty hunter um so already you've got you you're kind of iffy morals he does say this whole thing about like he couldn't care less about the other like million clones that he 
has like the sons that he has he just cares about this one that he got um boba um and so his like his morals are a little bit in question um his also his parenting style maybe a little bit in question but again he like does come from a culture that is different to mine um so like i you know i feel like i can't fully speak to that but uh you know boba seems to enjoy his his parenting style and also like jango fett is parenting a literal version of of him so while you know there's some argument to the nature versus nurture thing there like he i feel like at least would know what kind of parent he want would want out of a parent when he was a kid and kind of base that off of but i just like him teaching him how to fish and there's like just i'm gonna keep as i go through this i'm gonna find more and more things where i was like um oh my god i love Django and boba um but it's just so it's so good it made me so sad when he died now i was like i mean i was like kind of sad about it in the in the movie i remember being sad about it as a kid and like watching it then being like oh no now boba's like all by himself but this made me genuinely sad um he says uh, he didn't care a whit about politics or war or this army of clones. Um, he had no attachment to any of them. Well, to any of them except for Boba, of course, uh, which is great. Um, what else? Uh, okay, yes. The other thing that I did not like about this book, um, in addition to the sort of like weird way that it treated Padme um, and, and sort of her, her point of view, also I hated being in Anakin's point of view. Anakin little emo boy... 19 year old um oh my god he there's like this bit where he's like he didn't appreciate hearing padme speak of any gratitude at all toward obi-wan um he didn't want her to elevate obi-wan's importance in all of this above his own he's just like so fucking dramatic um he uh i like i will say the one thing that this made really made me appreciate and i will find this exactly because i i just i saw this and i was like i have to do this um but this really did make me appreciate Hayden Christensen's acting skills because, like, um, like reading this, I'm like, there's no fucking way somebody could like do this and be serious. But here's here's one of the monologues he has much later in the book. But I I just wanted to read it. From the moment I met you all those years ago, a day hasn't gone by when I haven't thought of you. And now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. The closer I get to you, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you makes my stomach turn over, my mouth go dry. I feel dizzy. I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss you never should have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that kiss will not become a scar. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. What can I do? I will do anything you ask. If you are suffering as much as I am, tell me. Uh, like, I just... That's so fucking dramatic. Like, as much as I... I'm like, Anakin, why the fuck? He also... Like, the actor does a good job of, of playing it as, as, as like straight as possible. So I appreciate that. Um, one of the other... Yeah, see, here's, here's an addition to... Um, Obi-Wan's, con my confusion about Obi-Wan Obi and his empath empath empathy for other people. Um, he goes into this diner that he, t and he talks to this guy that he, like, clearly knows, um, 
it's like a seedy diner and the Dex is the, is the guy's name. Uh, it says Dex would crush the life out of an enemy, but would give his own life for someone he cared about. That was the code amongst, among the star wanderers and one that Obi-Wan could truly appreciate. In many, many ways, being here with Dex appealed to the Jedi Knight much more than the time he had to spend among the ruling elite. Um, I'm just like, sir you're you're a mystery to me like because like a lot of this stuff i'm like ah yes like this vibes with with what i know of what i picture obi-wan to be but i'm just still trying to struggle to like relate that to this sort of like early version of him that's very not empathetic and like where that change takes place and how that happens um i'm intrigued by uh what else what what else do I have to say? Oh, Obi-Wan has this idea that, like, whatever problems Dooku must have seen, he should have recognized that he could better repair them by remaining within the Jedi family, which I think is interesting. Um, and that's like a, I feel like that in particular is a struggle that is dealt with in a lot of different media. And this question of, like, whether you can enact change, um, from the inside of an organization or whether you have to extract yourself from that organization in order to um in order to do any sort of of good and in order to to push for changes uh and it's like a it's a real world problem um and it's like a tough one and there's maybe a different answer in different scenarios but like this idea of of what is it um like you can't put out the fire from inside the house or whatever the fuck that Hamilton <laughs> lyric is, um, like I don't know it. That is a that is another like moral, ethical like dilemma that it's it's that's hard to 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 wrestle with, um, and it's interesting that they kind of wrestle with it here, and along those lines they have this throwaway line that says, "Only twenty Jedi have ever left the Order." Um, okay, I'm like, doing that math, there are, they they, they reference several thousand um, Jedi at some point later on, like, are currently in the world um, at this moment in this story. And I feel like the the number 10,000 was somewhere in my brain for some reason. I'm not sure if that's true, but like, they say several thousand. So, okay, in this moment of time, there are several thousand and this has been going on for at least a thousand years, if not more. It might be closer to two thousand years, um, because they haven't seen the Sith in a thousand years, and the Sith were a break off of the Jedi. So it has to have been like so. Just how many fucking Jedi must there have been? And only twenty, only twenty have ever left the Order. Like what the fuck? Like. Like, their their indoctrination must be so, like, so deep. Like, hot damn. Um, this is also the same scene that we find this in, find out about this information. It's a throwaway line, too. Like, this isn't meant to be, like, jaw-dropping, but to me, it just straight up is. Um, but we also find out in this same conversation um, that, like, Obi-Wan knew that Qui-Gon was like rebellious but he hadn't hadn't actually thought of him like that much as a rebel 
Um, and I feel like this is something I need to think more about to like fully understand too. But I, this kind of makes me like start to 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 put like Obi Wan in perspective. I feel like like Obi Wan is like, oh yeah, um, Qui Gon wasn't actually that bad, and everyone around him. I think he's like talking to the the archivist or something like that, and she's like, oh no, like everybody was like Qui Gon. Oh my God, he's like so close to 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 leaving the order this is absolutely nuts and obi-wan's like oh damn i didn't realize it was that bad and then it kind of you know puts it in perspective when like obi-wan himself and especially anakin are both very much like they kind of toe the line of like dealing with what the council actually wants versus like what the uh what they do and you realize oh this is right this is because qui-gon was their uh, their role model, and he was not a very good one when it comes to uh, other people's per- perspectives in the the Jedi Order. Um, but yes, uh, what else? Yes, so th- in this very short span of time, we find out only 20 Jedi have ever left the Order. There's this, this throwaway line. Okay, so Obi-Wan tries to figure out what the fuck is going on and he goes into this like the the room with the little with all the little kids where Yoda's teaching and he's like help me with this problem and Yoda's like sure and it's a really cute scene in the in the movie um but there's this weird throwaway line where like Obi-Wan is like oh I remember how it used to be when I was training um and he, you know, he mouths along with Yoda, like, the words that he's going to say. It's really fun and cute. But then he says um, about the, like, the little lasers that, like, would, would zap you if you were, if you missed with your lightsaber. He said, the training could be humiliating, which was, like, a line completely by itself. Like, it was, like, paragraph, 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 and then enter. The training could be humiliating, and then enter. But it was also energizing, because with the failures would come successes, and it kind of goes along. But I'm just, like, like... See, I have such mixed emotions about stuff like this because like I do get it like when you when you mess up and fail and stuff like that you have a stronger drive to do better and sometimes that will produce people who are who are more capable and more talented but at the same time like that's not how you that's not how you raise good kids like that's not how you raise mentally healthy kids. Like, when you're scared of, of embarrassing yourself and scared of being wrong and, like, that's the thing that's motivating you to, to do better, you get fucked up in the brain. <laughs> and, like, you might be better at fucking, like, math or Jedi skills or whatever the hell, but, like, you're fucked up in the brain. <laughs> so I just like I just th- th- this these books just compound my list of things that I'm like I need to shake these people um by the shoulders and be like please be kinder to your your children thank you um one of the other things that happens in this uh this this thing book that's the word for it God, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally, this is going to be like a fucking like hour and a half long. Um, oh no, never mind. I'm almost to the end of my (laughs) list. Um, uh, another thing that happens in this book is it confuses the timeline a little bit. There is mention of, uh, Padme only being with Anakin for a couple of days. Um, but 
there's also this other bit where this her Padme's sister says something about like it's been a difficult few weeks for her parents um and the few weeks like it kind of implied that it was like since hearing about the attempts on Padme's life so maybe their journey was kind of longer like it's kind of it's kind of a little bit confusing um but what is is really good is this scene that we get uh with Padme this is not related it's just like on the same line and so this is why I'm doing this terrible transition um this scene with Padme and her sister Sola and her mom and her dad and her sisters her her nieces um that I I found out is this was like actually a straight up deleted scene like they filmed this I found this on YouTube um and like compared it to the book afterwards and I was actually really interested by that because it means that like definitely some of these scenes are like straight up like deleted scenes that they were going to include um and so this scene is like everyone teasing like it's like Padme has brought home this boyfriend and everyone teasing her um and her dad like vaguely like goes out and shoots blasters and like tries to intimidate Anakin it's like you know kind of great um everyone's like Padme take a fucking break um and I'm like yes please take a break stop pushing a boyfriend on her but like please take a break um but like it's it's so good um because also one of the things that is I didn't realize until like towards the end when I was reading about um Jango Fett dying is that one of the themes of this this uh movie this book in particular actually more so than the movie is like this theme of family of parents and children and the love of a parent for a child and how they interact. Um, we have this really touching scene of uh, Anakin going back to Tatooine, and he he says, um, "What did what does he say?" I wrote this down. Uh, home again, home again to go to rest. And then Padme finishes and says, "By hearth and heart, house and nest." And Anakin is like, "What? Oh, I didn't know you know that." And she was like, "Yeah, it was something my mom used to tell me." And Anakin's like, "Oh, it's something my mom used to tell me." Um, and Padme's like, "Oh, sorry. Like, I'm sure maybe like they heard it in different places." And she's trying to like play it off, like to make it still sound special for Anakin. And Anakin's like, "No, like, you know, it feels right that somebody else." knew this too that like this is something that all mothers share with their sons um and so like here's the thing is like so all of this bit with like Padme's family gets cut out um so we don't see how much they care for her we don't see her interacting with them we don't see them interacting with Anakin um in then like because that's just such a good like contrast to see this family where like Padme still lives at home like she has all of these like old family pictures of her like when she's eight eight an eight-year-old um she has all of her like clothes and stuff like that and her nieces who love her and stuff like that um and like the contrast between her family life and her home life and Anakin's is so stark because Anakin goes back to this planet that he hasn't seen in 10 years and uh, to people who are literal strangers to him and his mother is gone and like the only thing left of him is this droid that he had half finished. Um, and so it's such a pity that they took that out because that is such a good, strong 
uh, parallel. And then to see also the parallel between that and Django and Boba and how like um, Django Fett like wanted originally he wanted this child because he was like I can make a better version of me if if I had a dad who like pushed me and wanted me to do better like I could be the I could have been the best bounty hunter ever and I'll do that for my kid and then he starts to like love his kid for just being his kid um and so to see like all of these these families to see how their parents treat their children and how um you know, time and time again is this sort of, like, this idea that, like, a parent would do anything for their their kid to, to be happy. Um, it's really sweet. And it's such, it's so much more present in the book than it is in the movie. Um, but yes. Uh, what else? What else? What, 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 what else? Um, yeah, okay, yeah, there's, like, this bit where they say, um, at that moment, looking at his son, Django Fett felt vulnerable, and it was not an emotion with which he was the least bit comfortable. And then he goes, play it cool, play it cool. <laughs> like, this is so great. Um, what else do I have? Uh, I'm trying, I'm looking through this and trying to see if I can, like, combine anything and things, but no, this is just all going to be very disjointed. Um, Back to Obi-Wan and his empathy. Uh, the callousness of it all, all the, the, the cloning, hundreds of millions of, of clones in order to be bred for battle, uh, the callousness of it all struck Obi-Wan profoundly. These were living, breathing, uh, these were living beings, living, breathing, and thinking. To create clones for such a singular purpose, under such control, even stealing half their childhood for efficiency, assaulted his sense of right and wrong. And so, like, I don't know, I like, see, I, I like playing around with the idea that, like, this sort of clone scenario and the Clone Wars in particular are the things that, like, are kind of chipping away at Obi-Wan and his, like, sort of sense of devotion to the Jedi Council and more uh, pushing him towards the sense of devotion towards, um, like, the Jedi way. And the difference between the two of those, the, the the Jedi way versus the Jedi Council. And at the same time, it like pushes him to, to be more like Qui-Gon, but also better than Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon was a bit of a dick. Fuck him. Um, I thought it was... <laughs> I genuinely, like before I started recording this, um, I had the thought of like, I was like, damn, I feel like I can get through this one without talking about Qui-Gon for once because he's he doesn't really show up very much. But I really, I really couldn't. Ah, oh, great. I get to keep the, the naming convention of this because this is amazing. Um, the other thing that I was very confused about in this book was that, um, so a running theme with the Star Wars movies is that they'll include different languages. And in some of the transcripts, what they'll do is they'll write like the English for what these characters are saying. Um, they sometimes... Like, I feel like I remember seeing captions. Like, as a kid, I feel like I remember seeing captioned translations of these different languages. But it's quite possible that that just was not the case. Um, but in, in any case, there exist, like, English translations for all of the, the, the words spoken in other languages. 
Um, so when I look up like the transcripts, you can read the the Huddies that Anakin and Watto speak back and forth and stuff like that. Um, but uh, in the in the movie itself, for the most part, there's no there's no uh, captions. I think. Um, so we do sort of like I I love. I am so, so very interested in how we show language, um, especially in something like this where we have uh, like space space sci-fi and stuff like that, where we have this sort of like broader galaxy and like, you know, do all of the humans share a language? Is the human language the, the language that is the the sort of like standard or basic or whatever you want to call it, depending on your sci-fi universe, is that because of um, imperialism? Like, why is this? Why is this the the shared language that people have? Um, you know, we don't see, like, some of some of it is you. Do, you just have to kind of take take for granted because like you have an English speaking audience and you want all of your. Uh, all of your human characters to be speaking English so that way the audience can understand them but also you want the uh the sort of like what is it the lingua franca or like the the common universal language to also be English so then they can talk to other people other aliens and all be using English but then that kind of comes with weird connotations and blah 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 anyway all that all that um said (laughs) <laughs> there is one single line in <laughs> I'm sorry, I just yes, I have to talk for 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 five minutes about something before I can explain the significance of one single line in this movie. Um there's a line that Django Fett says to Boba Fett that's in Mandoa. Um and it's it's just literally I think it's just close the door. But yes, it's Boba, close the door. Um, and so in the movie, it's set in Mandoa and it's not translated. Um, and it's in the transcript as like written in English, like, you know, all of the, the hut ease is later on in the, in the movie. Um, but in this book, it's just straight up written in English. And I was like very confused about that um, and kind of annoyed at that because... Like, they take so much care to to not do that in the movie. And I was like, is this supposed to imply that Obi-Wan knows Mandoa? Like, I'm, like, trying to, like, backtrack. I'm like, okay, yes, like, you know, I, I know he... I know, like, from from my vague research of, like, his, his backstory in some of the Clone Wars and some of the, um, the Legends books that are like the 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 sort of non-canon books anymore um that he uh knew the duchess of mandalore at one point and he spent a year with her and so he could have maybe learned mandoa are we supposed to imply like you know imply his entire backs or or um infer his entire backstory from the fact that this wasn't in mandoa and like uh, written out and i'm like you literally could have just written written it out and then like right underneath it say like he under he he guessed it meant go close the door because boba just went and fucking closed the door and i don't know why this this one particular thing makes me so frustrated um but it really does uh anyway what else what else what else um i the the 
The fighting in this book, I think, is the one thing that I am really interested in when it comes to the writing style, because I love the description. I loved the description of the fight between Obi Wan and Bo- uh, Jango Fett. Um, it's really, really detailed, like very, very detailed, to- down to the point of like they describe each individual punch. And maybe I liked it just because it was the first one, um, and they did this because like they do this again with the lightsaber battles between. Um, that, that happened at the end of the movie that's like Obi-Wan and Anakin and Count Dooku and Yoda and like it's just like this entire big thing they describe like every single hit um, and that it was kind of getting boring because I'm like okay like parry thrust thrust parry parry thrust thrust chop off a hand parry thrust throw a boulder at you parry parry thrust thrust um, it's like not as interesting as Jango Fett and Obi-Wan like occasionally shooting at each other, slicing at each other, kicking each other, punching each other, throwing each other off a cliff, like grabbing each other with wire and then Boba Fett is like shooting him with a with a ship. Like it's it's much more of like a a varied fight, so it was interesting to read it like as a blow by blow um sort of commentated fight um but it was kind of fun. The thing that I really also loved about this fight was Obi-Wan shouting throughout the entire thing, being like, Django Fett, Django, just like, chill out, and uh, 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 ooh, uh, uh, if you chill out, um, ow, if you chill out, you're, you and your son will get, like, ow, um, you'll get, like, be treated better, ow, okay, please just, uh, fuck. <laughs> it's just, it's a very good vibe. Um, I wrote, I love, I'm in love, I'm love this movie. Thank you, Space Nancy Drew. Um, why is one half of this story the best thing and the other half is fail sad emo love story? That's literally just what this movie is. And this is why I've been talking about it for 57 minutes and 27 seconds is that um, this movie is like, half of it is like, I love Space Nancy Drew Obi-Wan and him just like kind of vibing with Django Fett and they're not even like yes it's a big fight but also he's just kind of like I like you and your son let's just let's just be chill about this um and then just the other half is Anakin and Padme's weird love story with um Anakin kind of being a little bit overbearing and Padme being forced into um considering a relationship by her her closest loved ones and me being kind of uncomfortable with their whole thing and then Anakin going um very very angry rager boy and murdering an entire village of innocent people um so you know pros and cons pros and cons about this movie uh yeah um what else what else uh I wrote, Boba, my boy, my boy, Boba, I'm so sorry. Um, That, yes, that. Uh, I really like Bail Organa in these prequel books, too. He's, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of cool. I like him. He's, he's better in the prequel books than I think in the movies, probably because he's just vaguely unremarkable in the movies, because other things are happening and catch my attention. Um, Okay, the last thing that I have to say, I think, about, is about Count Dooku again. Um... Again, he's like the sort of person that you're like, you're so right, dude. Up until, up until he's in a meeting with all of these like, uh, trade merchant people, and he says 
he says, let me remind you of our absolute commitment to capitalism. And is like, yes, we will have complete free trade in this new uh, existence without the Republic. And I'm like, Dooku, Dooku, you started... You started so well. You started off so well. You said, fuck, everybody is corrupt. Uh, life under the Senate um, sucks. Uh, they don't care about the individual. I can't do anything to change this because nobody will listen to me. So I've got to go out on my own and forge my own path. Um, and I get it. I do get it. It's Darth Sidious's influence that has turned him into this Sith, that he now, like, will do the bidding of Darth Sidious, and that includes getting these corporations involved so that way they have enough funds for this droid army. I get it. I get it. It's, like, Sith plot that has kind of rotted him, um, starting, like, as a branch- branching off of his ideals and kind of worming its way backwards into his thoughts, so now he's, like, doing all of all of this stuff too but also bro you started out so good and now you say stuff like let me remind you of our absolute commitment to capitalism he just like he's got this like formal little gay villain vibe of like i don't know obi-wan has this like statement i mean okay we can we can get into the queer coding of villains and stuff like that later but i I don't feel like blabbing about that now um obi-wan has this throwaway line about how he has on these like really fine silk clothing or or, like maybe it's not silk but like really fine clothing and any like he gives off the impression that he would never be seen in anything else but that um he's very like proper when he talks to obi-wan he tries to convince him to like come to his side he doesn't he's like oh i i tried to get them to stop you stop this whole like nonsense or whatever um he's he's very well put together his whole fighting style is this like tried to trying to be as effortless as possible it's very fencing heavy it's very sophisticated he's like his whole thing is he's like a sophisticated formal gay villain um and he's he's just got like he's so he was so good and then he had to say and then he had to say let me remind you of our absolute commitment to capitalism oh dooku dooku i could forgive you for chopping off anakin's hand but your commitment to capitalism sir uh fuck anyway Jesus Christ, I've been talking about this for an hour. Um, I'm done. I'm done. Goodbye.